So welcome to, back to another episode of Sturgeon Outdoors. Today we're talking with Zach Johnson a little bit about camping and hiking. Uh, Zach, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background start out? Background from Western New York, uh, moved out to Colorado about six years ago. Uh, currently live right in Vail, Colorado. Um, yeah, moved out here to ski and stay for the summer and never came home. It's kind of nice. Nice. So what would you say the landscape is in comparison to Western New York here? Uh, we're a little bit higher. I live at like 9,000 feet, um, you know, elevation above sea level where, you know, Western New York is at what, all of zero. Yeah, so pretty much. Yeah. So uh, we're <laughs> a little bit higher. Um, you know, we are definitely in, you know, surrounded by mountains, snow-capped peaks. I woke up to six inches of snow like two days ago. So um well yeah it's still snowing you know you can ski in the middle of may and all in june and july so yeah it's a little a little bit different yeah here we are we got 70 degrees today and there's absolutely not one drop of snow on the ground <laughs> yeah nothing so uh camping hiking where have you been um about two years ago I was on a road trip and ended up stumbling upon um, a couple of really cool places up in like Northern Michigan, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming, uh, all of Utah, uh, Grand Canyon, Arizona, uh, a little bit into the Smoky Mountains as well. I even camped in Kentucky one time. That was kind of fun. So I've been kind of everywhere. Everywhere. Nice. Yeah. So is there like a specific area like um like do you have the national parks do you hit up just camping areas all around is there any specific places you went in all those states yeah yeah so uh one of our favorites was um pictured rocks national lakeshore up in uh northern michigan uh, i started off just by as a road trip going back home from buffalo back to colorado decided to take the long way around and Stumbled upon uh, Sleepy Bear Dunes National Park, uh, National Lakeshore, and then went up to Pitchard Rocks, uh, which is actually along the uh, southern shore of Lake Superior. Um, I ended up hiking in this little spot uh, about four miles in. Um, we were supposed to be there for one day. We ended up being there for four. So it was awesome. Okay. Like you watched the, the, the water was crystal clear, uh, very cold. We went in, end of June um lots of lots of bugs at that time of the year but um it was cool you could sit on the beach uh it was beautiful out and we could sit there still watch the sunset at 11 30 at night just because of where you are in the time zone and how far north you are um paper uh really cool experience up there nice awesome so uh when you're talking you know you spent four days was that in a tent or were you in the car or camper what, what exactly were you yeah sleeping so arrangements but we backpacked into a little place. It was called Chapel Beach. Like I said, it was about four miles in. If, you know, that's stretching it, probably more like three and a half. But, um, yeah, we backpacked in all of our gear. Uh, we stayed the first night. And then when we realized that we wanted to stay the first day, we went back. In, so we hiked out, went back in the town um, and picked up some supplies, water filtration, uh, you know, some, you know, basically some food that you can make with a jet boil and then hiked back down and stayed for another three days. Yes, and it wasn't a tent. In a tent. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, so you've been pretty much hiking all over the place. Is there anything that you're like, 
a hundred percent you have to have some essentials uh a good backpack and a good pair of shoes good backpack good pair of shoes good pair of of hiking shoes is you know key um water filtration always you know fill up your camelback before you go have you know a nice simple portable water filtration to go along with you because you will probably go through it all especially Mm -hmm. on you know some longer you know you know once you start hiking over you know five to, once you get over like five miles you're going to run through your you know your two and a half liters of your camelback pretty quickly so you know you know finding a nice you know water source um that's oh that's essential so mm-hmm. but yeah we have uh we have two little portable ones we both carry one in our backpack when we go out so um that's kind of how we approach that but yeah that and good pair of shoes yeah and good pair of shoes uh so do you plan your trips around like a a water source or you kind of find one as you're hiking or um, was you generally uh yeah you had to use common sense uh, but yeah you definitely kind of just like find it on the trail uh good clean running water you don't want to go to like a cow pond and filter that water out um but uh yeah good you know good just running water source any streams any of the mountains around here um and that also kind of plays into pe- uh into play of where you're going to pick a campsite um when we were in the badlands national park you could camp anywhere you wanted to as long as you couldn't be seen from a tra- uh from a trail or a road um but there's also no water so right. you had you had to be be prepared you know in plan ahead uh well ahead so and that was actually really cool that was one of our favorite camping spots that we've ever done and that was just kind of like on a whim too it was, it was pretty cool so in badlands you're talking desert area is it more yeah. of a desert or like it's south dakota so midwest south, middle okay yeah um yeah that was uh that was a random spot that we went to that was pretty cool except we just end up camping on the side of the you pull over the side of the road talk to a ranger real quick I'm like oh yeah we, we can camp pretty much anywhere he's like yep as long as you can't be seen from a road got it he goes just watch out for rattlesnakes and make sure you have water <laughs> it's not a bad way to go about it i mean just kind of open to hey wh- wherever you want that's no big deal it's great that the you know you got some cool people like that they'll and and, let and you all, do that. yeah it's not like that for for all the national parks so every national park i highly recommend if you if you're planning on camping or overnighting talking to a ranger going to a ranger station get as much info as you possibly can because every national park is going to be different um i know like a lot of stuff up in glacier national park that has to be all permitted but you're also in grizzly country so they mm-hmm. want to know where you're at and how long you plan on being there. Cause if you don't come back, they need to go look for you. So, right. um, but I, I highly recommend stopping in, talking to a ranger, talking to a ranger station. They might have some ideas like, Oh, well, actually, you know, there's a bunch of, this area is pretty crowded. Why don't you try this lake over here? Um, this is a pretty fun one as well. And they can give you some different ideas that you might not be thinking. Of. So, okay. Um, so some real- you brought up the whole permit thing. Uh, what, yeah. what exactly do you mean by a permit? So a permit, so it can work different ways. Like, so Rocky Mountain National Park, you have to have a permit to go into the park. But all that takes is you just call up the day before the day of and be like, hey, I'm planning to enter the park at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm like, okay, sure, not a problem. They enter. It's just one of those ways so they can regulate how much traffic actually goes in and out beside just the typical the, the, the gates. But um, it's just because it gets so crowded. Um, so some of the like permit things, uh, uh, a, a good one is in Zion National Park. We did a hike called the Subway. Um, this is down, you know, down in Utah. 
uh, beautiful park, by the way. But um, we put in a permit for the subway, which they only allow 13 people on the trail a day. That's it. Um, you can do it two different ways. One way for coming from the top down uh, would be to, that's more like canyoneering and caving and splunking. Like you need to be in wetsuits with harnesses and ropes and you come down through this ravine. It's pretty cool. Or you can hike up it. Um, and either way you do it, uh, you have to have a permit and you can, you just go on right onto, you know, the, the national park website um, and just like, Hey, I want to do the subway on this day. They'll tell you how many people have already applied for it. Uh, and then you kind of can play your odds that way if you really want to do it. And we were actually lucky enough and pulled that permit um, when we went to Zion. So that was probably one of the top, one of my top hikes that I've ever done. Uh, so that was, that one was pretty cool. And that was a permanent hike where I think this year, so one of the other really popular hikes in Zion would be uh, Angel's Landing. Um, when we did it, we did not have to get a permit, but this year they're going to a permit system, which I totally agree with because we went up early and we didn't have to fight the crowds going up but coming back we were literally fighting crowds and you're on like a knife ridge trail where it's like a couple thousand feet down each side of you so like i highly stand by the permits for hikes like that that way they just don't get overcrowded and it's actually safer okay well nice that's a bunch of great information is that national park exclusive or is that kind of if you go anywhere like a state park or any other just public area, do you need a permit for that kind of things too? Um, it's, or don't you know? It's definitely leaning more in that trending that direction. Mm -hmm. um, just some like popular hikes around here, just in my backyard on, on national forest land, like the hike hanging lake, you have to have a permit. Mm -hmm. um, and if you like park there and don't have a permit and just go up anyways, you get hit with like a hundred dollar fine that's just what oh, okay at you on the trail there's a whole nother whole nother process that you can get in trouble with but um yeah so i i mean a lot of popular places are starting to have like the permit um like to raft the grand canyon you have to get a permit a year and a half to two years out okay um, so i applied for that this year did not get it <laughs> is that going to be one of your uh, goals to go raft the grand canyon then absolutely absolutely <laughs> well nice uh so what else can you tell us about national parks national kind of... parks there is i think there's 64 of them uh we just gained another one this year i believe in the uh, new river gorge in west virginia um it is mine and my girlfriend's a goal to hit all of them uh and that is a lawfully more of a lifelong goal because uh some of them you can only get to by flying into on a float plane up in like Northern Alaska. It's called the gates of the Arctic. The only way to get there is if someone takes you in on like a snowmobile or you fly it. That's the only way to get there. And then there's another one. It's called America Samoa. That's basically over in Japan. Um, oh, really? You can, yeah. You can only get there by taking a ship or flying. Uh, one that was, we almost went to this year if we would have went to Florida, but we decided not to. Um, Florida has, I think four or five right down at the very end of the, 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 the end of the peninsula, but it's called dry Tortuga. Um, I believe like 80 or 90% of the, uh, national park is underwater. So you have to scuba dive and go snorkel. It. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff out there. Um, and just, you know, in my experience, I think we've, I think we have 
18 that we've checked off. Um, it, it, it's a lot of fun. It's, it, it's, you know, great to actually get out and explore our country. Um, you know, everywhere from, you know, Maine all the way down to Hawaii. Uh, there's something everywhere. Uh, last, this time last year, we're actually doing the big Utah trip. Uh, so Utah has the five, uh, the, the Utah big five and Zion, Bryce Canyon, Capitol Reef, Arches, and then uh, Canyonlands. And they all are a little different. Um, you know, Capitol Reef is just basically a big giant red reef that stretches for miles through Utah. Zion is beautiful. Um, you know, the hoodoos at Bryce Canyon are like absolutely incredible. It's, it's the, the topography and the geography of it all is just absolutely stunning. Um, and we actually got to go there, you know, leaving Zion, having camped out, you know, beautiful weather. It's probably like 75, 80 degrees. And then we get to Bryce Canyon after we've been in Zion for three days. And there's like eight inches of snow at our campsite. So we had to pull an audible and you go stay in a hotel that night. But it's not that big yeah. of a deal. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you, you gotta be prepared for the weather. Play it by ear. See what happens. Yep. Gotta be flexible. Yep. <laughs> so, and then we end up having, you know, we had a good time at Bryce. It, it was pretty cool. Great sunrise, sun, uh, sunrise and sun up, sunrise and sunset spots. Uh, it was it was really cool, and just learning all of that. And when we are in, and that takes a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, that's a big thing that I've learned in this whole process of trying to you know, you know check off all these national parks. You know, we're, we're living in a Jeep for, yeah, in our case, in a Jeep for, you know, two weeks. So you have to plan. You have to have refrigeration. How are you going to eat? How are you cooking? So that comes into play. You know, car camping is a lot different than backpack camping. Um, car camping is a lot of fun. Uh, you have all your stuff right there. You don't have to lug it around. Uh, so, yeah, we have like a big Yeti 110 that we use as a refrigeration. Um, and then we have uh, this awesome Jetboil uh, base camp Genesis stove. Uh, has two burners with the option of a third and you know that's that's home that's that's we yeah. live in for you know it was almost a month when we did utah but um oh nice mm-hmm. yeah so so that that was a lot of fun um you know and you, you get your airbnb or your hotel to get your shower in you know every once in a while but uh you've seen some really cool spots of the country um but yeah and we were able to wrap all of utah in and then drop down to the Grand Canyon and hike across the Grand Canyon. So that was pretty cool. Nice. So you got kind of got a big old loop going and you know where to go next. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so what's the highest point you hiked to? Highest point I have hiked to in elevation? Yes. Uh, that would be Mount Elbert in uh, Colorado. It's the highest peak in Colorado. It is, give me one second, and I'll tell you how high it is. <laughs> 14,433 feet. Nice. Okay. So is that, okay, hiking high elevation, do you do anything different than for, say, hiking around like i'm western new york so hiking around western new york where you can kind of walk wherever does that high elevation change anything um you will get tired much faster and you'll be dehydrated much faster um weather plays a big part into it uh when when we were going on like one of these big hikes you know when when you're trying to hike a 14er in colorado you want to start early um 
And I'm talking like hitting the trailhead at like 2 30, 3 o'clock in the morning, because it's almost guaranteed that right around you know noon, one o'clock, two o'clock, there's going to be rain, weather, and lightning up there, which is very dangerous. So you want to be coming down and descending the peak before noon. Um, mm-hmm. So like your timing, your supplies, uh, layers. Um, how you dress because at the base it might be 85 90 degrees at the base of the trailhead when you get up to the top when you're at 14,000 feet it might be snowing right so how to prepare for that so definitely have like a bay a day pack you know a 25 liter something like that where you can carry you know a puffy a rain jacket uh you know another like underlayer um you know having a first aid kit uh i've seen you know helicopter rescues on certain on certain peaks um out here in colorado we got to worry about wildfires so mm-hmm. what is the air quality you don't want to go try and hike a four, you know eight mile 14er when there's a wildfire you know 100 miles away and the wind's blowing right at you you won't be able to breathe and also you're not gonna be able to see when you get to the top you know you're just gonna be a big cloud so congratulations you walked into the smog so but um, yeah, so there, there's a lot of things that come into play. Um, and I, I'm a big component of always like having uh, hiking with somebody. Don't, don't try and do them solo. So, yeah. Yeah, that's some great advice. Always, always hike with somebody. That way, in case anything, worst case scenario, there's someone else always there. Uh, I also, I agree 100% as far as that goes. But, all right, for say you were to go hiking, go camping. And you're like, Hey, I want to, have you ever, all right, let me rephrase this. Have you ever done like a multiple day hike to like a summit? Like kind of go up partially, stop halfway or something and then go up to the rest of the, the peak. Yeah. So, so we've done that a couple, a couple different times. Um, when we hiked across the grand Canyon, that was a multi-day trip. Mm-hmm. We kind of lucked out because we got to stay at the uh, um, Phantom Ranch at the base of the Grand Canyon. It was, it's usually a two-year wait for that reservation, but we actually pulled it and we went there for my birthday last year. So that's it, it was it was incredible. Side, that's a side note. But anyways, so back to your question of you know hiking to reach a summit in multiple days. We did that probably my favorite 14er to date, which is uh, the mountain of the Holy cross. Um, it's right here in Colorado. It's, I mean, right here in like right in Vail. Uh, the trailhead is 20 minutes down the road from my house. And, um, that one, we did a little backwards. So we actually hiked in, in the evening. Um, yeah. big thing with Holy cross is you gain 2000 feet, you drop 2000 feet, you're in the riverbed. Then you have to climb another 4,000 feet to get to the peak. So that's, okay. the, that's the kicker for that one. So what you have to do is, or how we did it is we hiked into a campsite. So we did that first elevation gain, then the elevation drop camped, and then got up at two o'clock in the morning and finished the rest of the hike. And I think we summited it at like 8.30. So we almost had the sunrise. We had a beautiful sunrise over Notch Mountain on the way up. Um, and that's one of those benefits when you get the, when you start those super early hikes, like you're going to have some amazing views. And if you plan it right and how fast you're moving on the trail, you can get some gorgeous sights and gorgeous sunsets. So nice. 
Um, but yeah, so, uh, and, and I know this coming year, we're going to do a lot more hiking. Um, we're looking at going down to, uh, Chicago basin, which is in Southern Colorado in the San Juan national park or national forest. Um, and there's, you have to take a train that drops you off in the middle of nowhere at the trailhead and you had to hike in camp. And then there's three separate peaks that you can get coming out of the same base camp area, basically. And then you come back down. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll do that again. Um, we hiked Aspen to Crested Butte. That was a multi-day hike. Uh, that one is gorgeous. Highly recommend that one. It's not that strenuous. Anyone can do it. Um, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, it's like only 11 miles, 11, 12 miles, I think. And uh, um, it's, it's just gorgeous. Uh, it's funny because in order to drive from Aspen to Crested Butte, it'd take you two and a half hours. Oh, really? But, yeah. But as the crow flies, it's only 10 miles away. So <laughs> those things called mountains. Yeah. Oh, man. So you keep bringing up 14ers. Uh, yep. Now that is 14,000 feet elevation, correct? Correct. So how many of those have you actually summited? I want to say I'm at like 12 or 13 mm-hmm. without looking at my books and checking to see how many I have checked off. Um, we did a lot two summers ago, the COVID summer. Um, that's pretty much all we did. Like, I think we, I think we hiked like 12 in one summer, which is huge. It's a big summer for 14ers. Um, there's 58 of them total. You could make an argument for 59, but that's for another day. Um, (laughs) you, uh, but yeah, there, there, there's in, in the ranking classes, you know, class one, two, three, four, five, um, the hardest one I've done is a class three. Um, once you get over class threes, you're going to want to start, you know, having a, you know, having like a climbing helmet. Um, cause you know, other hikers and wildlife, it's very common for them to knock rocks down the, the mountain. And as they're kind of tumbling down the mountain, they pick up speed and if they hit you, they can do some serious damage. So once you get over those class threes, um, that's, you know, having a rope, being with a buddy, having a group, having a plan. Uh, and definitely having uh, hard hats, basically, because I've known people being hit by a rock that a goat knocked down and got crushed in the side of the chest with a boulder like right. that. happened. <laughs> so do you do the like spelunking and rock climbing and all that stuff as well? Or are you just kind of hiking around? Yeah, I haven't gotten into the spelunking and the, the rock climbing. Uh, my girlfriend does some rock climbing. Um, I have. I'm getting into it. I am more like at the climbing gyms, not out in the actual wilderness climbing. Right. Okay. So you're not climbing up a rock face or anything. You're just kind of, you have know, not, the, the rock wall at like some kitty park. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. You're, you know, little, <laughs> you're in there, which is, you know, bouldering is a little different than rock climbing. Uh, bouldering is you just kind of, uh, like little like basically just boulders you climb the boulder usually having a crash mat if you fall um Mm -hmm. kind of low consequence um but still i can be really fun really technical uh i've done a little bit of that um melanie more so than me though right okay so is one of your goals going to be to get more into that or are you just kind of comfortable where you're at like eventually are you going to be like i'm going to take on these class fives 
Well, yeah, I mean, you can you can be a 14er completer, and that's uh, having hiked all 58 of them. And you can, none of them require that type of a skill. There okay. are routes that you could take where those skills would be required, but you can summit all of the 14ers here in Colorado without climbing gear. Oh, okay. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I mean, this, you know, the, maybe like tying off to another person when you're going on capital or something like that, like that, that's pretty common or, but um, yeah, you don't really necessarily need the climbing gear, the harnesses and all go up. So no. Okay. Well, nice. So you talk about how you have some of these mountains in your backyard. Do you hike them on a regular basis or are you just kind of every once in a while? Um, there's a lot of trails in the area that you can hike that are not 14ers. Yeah. Um, you know, 14ers, like I said, it takes planning. Um, you have to have time off of work, usually one to two days. Uh, and you need to prepare. Um, so no, I do not hike 14ers on a regular basis. I'd have a lot more of them done if uh, that was the case, you know, in six years. Uh, but no, but I do a lot of hiking around here. Um, a lot of little just fun trails. You take the dog. Um, there's a one waterfall hike that I've hiked to multiple times that I really like. Good fishing. Um, yeah, I mean, some, some of the some of the other uh, trails that I've hiked actually came in useful during elk hunting and elk season because that's just a whole other animal. Uh, I have a season under my belt. Hopefully, I'll get two, and we'll do it a little differently this year instead of getting a little mule deer, get a big big elk. So. <laughs> So you're uh, huge into skiing. I know that. Yeah. Do you ever like hike up and ski down some, some of these mountains? Yes. Or do you stick so, to resorts? So that is called skinning or backcountry. So basically um, there are winter routes for some of these areas that are, that are very popular for skinning. Um, but basically I uh, have a, you know, a special binding, um, put these things kind of like seal through on the bottom of your skis and you just kind of start walking up the hill um yeah but if you get into like some some of the real like backcountry stuff you need a lot of gear uh if you stick to the like the, like inside the resorts and inbounds you don't necessarily need like the abbey beacon and uh probe and shovel but um if i go anywhere out of bounds that's not that's when i say out of bounds that's not a ski resort i will have all of that equipment on me okay yeah just in case that is yep. actually it's big avalanche country out there, isn't it? That's where you actually yeah. really got to worry about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have been stuck in the Vale Valley because avalanches have blocked I-70 going both directions and they have nowhere to go. Oh, so, really? So you... Yeah, that, 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 that is a very real threat. Um, I mean, I live, I technically live in East Vale, which is actually a very popular backcountry area. Uh, that's accessible through gates out of Vale Resorts, of Vale Mountain, actually. And I could technically, if I wanted to ski the resort all day long, I could go out a gate and ski to my back door uh, at the end of the day. So, oh. but so, that's you're, actually, so you're close then. You're really close to the to the resort. It's very avalanches happen there almost daily. Okay. So. Um, some of them are a lot of a lot of it's no, natural cause. A lot of it is human triggered, um, or actually, SEAC, uh, uh, Colorado. It's, it's the avalanche information um, organization. They do a lot of mitigation by like, like dropping bombs and stuff like that. So, 
A lot of okay. it is human triggered though. And it can get really scary really quickly if you are not prepared. Okay. So just giving you a heads up, it's going to 10 minutes. It's going to shut down and I'm just going to have to download all the audio and then redo this. Okay. It's just, does just the way zoom works. <laughs> so, because I don't want to pay for it pretty much. Gotcha. So I, I just got the notification. So I figured I would do it. All right. So let's do, um, you know, no snow. Do you see a lot of like rock slides and mud slides and stuff too while you're hiking? Is that um, a real threat? Not necessarily where you're while you're hiking, but um, I seventy, uh, the major interstate that goes right through uh, the valley here. Um, we just had a really big, big wildfire two summers ago, uh, the Grizzly Creek fire, and that burned uh, Glenwood Canyon. Um, it was huge, like like over a hundred thousand acres. Um, they finally got that. They finally got that under control and now the threat and the danger is mudslides and rock slides coming down the canyon onto i-70 um they do a lot of mitigation rock slide mitigation where they'll completely shut down the i-70 corridor and they just and they're blowing up rocks and trying to manage it and put up nets and they actually call them what do they call them it was just on the news like two days ago they, they i think they call them bathtubs okay um, and it's basically just this big, heavy-duty netting that they'll put up along the sides of the roads. Because, um, yeah, rock slides, mudslides are very, very common, especially after a wildfire burn scar. Uh, you get on a slope, all of a sudden all that vegetation, all that stuff that holds the soil intact where it's at, uh, all that's gone. So there's nothing holding those rocks there. So, mm -hmm. you know, fire, burn scar, torrential rain, disaster. Kind of what happens <laughs> it's some uh life or death stuff thing if anything like that happens yeah it's a little it's a little crazy I, i've seen the aftermaths of it and i was like 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 i think i-70 was shut down for almost a month last last year oh really yeah okay which is you know interesting for trucking and you know they have to now go through uh you know i-80 which is up in wyoming which is basically if i wanted to go to glenwood canyon on a day like when it was closed generally it would take me about an hour um, when the canyon was closed, you had to drive all the way up into Wyoming and then back down. It would take you 13 hours. Ooh, yeah. So those truck drivers are really, oh man, just to get supplies or anything in there, then it would just yeah. be. Yeah. So they're basically telling truckers and other, you know, you know, travelers where, the, where it was closed, like down in Denver. It's like, Hey, yeah, well, before like even the split, it's like, Hey, you can't, you can't get to Utah. <laughs> on i-70 going through colorado right now don't even try so but um yeah okay. nice so going back to national parks you Perfect. know yeah. which one would you go back to which one are you like i would love to go back here uh i mean glacier national park was amazing um i'd want to if i went back there i'd want to do more of the backcountry side of things we did a lot of the tourist stuff when we were there um but that was also the company that i had uh, we're kind of limited what we could do, but, um, I would go back to Glacier in a heartbeat. I'd go back to the Grand Canyon in a heartbeat. Uh, Zion was beautiful. Um, and those are all something that I could, I'll probably eventually do, uh, in the years to come. Um, I know California is on our, uh, kind of like on our next list of national mm -hmm. parks, um, kind of go down through Las Vegas, Death Valley, Joshua Tree, Yosemite. No. Yeah. Yosemite, 
what else is down there? There's like, there's nine parks in California and you kind of can do it either in one big trip or like two little trips, I think of Southern California, then the Northern California. Um, but yeah, California is kind of on our, our next uh, bucket list of ones to hit besides some like random ones here and there. Uh, we'll probably do like great sand dunes here in Colorado this summer. We'll probably go down to black, black Canyon of the Gunnison. Um, we'll probably do that this year as well. Those are just two here in Colorado that we haven't hit off yet, but, um, okay. California, California is next. And then the <laughs> nice. Okay. Is there any that you're like, just not interested in going back to for whatever reason? I joke around that it's my favorite national park. It is petrified national forest. Petrified Forest National Park. It is very sad. Is that um, it, it's basically what happened is it, it was uh, it's been looted. So all this petrified wood that was which made it a park, people mm-hmm. uh, went in and just looted it. And so all the things that actually made it a really cool national park have been taken out of it uh, just by looters. Oh. So it's just kind of sad. Um, I joke that it's my favorite just because it is kind of sad. Yeah, but. Uh, that, that one is cool that, that one like it, it's cool in like the historical sense um then another one that i don't like capitol reef in utah is pretty interesting but that's very that's a big rock climbing one yeah um, okay yeah i think if i went back to arches is just so packed with people now like that's another one that i think uh reservations would be a really good way to direction to go for them um when we were there, there's times that the park wasn't even open because there's so many people there. They had to shut down the, the gate. Oh, because um, they just couldn't fit any more people. Well, yeah, they're just over capacity. Um, but Canyonlands would be another really cool one. We kind of just did the touristy stuff there, kind of just drove through it. But Canyonlands is actually divided into three separate pieces. And uh, it's a big jeeping world one where you can go up for like, five day jeeping trips where you have to bring all your supplies all your gas everything and you'll never see another soul except for who's with you oh really so yeah um that that looks really fun i would love to go back and do a jeep trip with some buddies uh with some with some rigs and you know run the white rim road or something like that i'd love to do that okay is that where like i've seen a lot of videos of people doing that where they'll go up like the rock wall rock you know, on top of the rocks and everything like that. Is that kind of what you're you referring can to? Get into stuff like that. There's there's different uh features, kind of like like different like runs like at a ski resort. There's different like trails and that you can run with Jeeps. And on that trail there might be a point where you have to climb something. And if you do it, cool, you get a sticker. If you didn't, well sorry. Better luck next time. You'll probably just break. <laughs> no sticker, but all right. Good job. Good try. <laughs> oh man now let's go is there any national parks that you're like a hundred percent this one's gonna happen other than the ones in california i know you talked a little bit about that but is there anywhere you're like i really really want to go to this one we'll see what happens i mean pretty much any of the ones in alaska Um, yeah that'd be fun those are gonna i mean i absolutely want to go up there uh the timing has to be right everything like I don't know when I'll be able to do that, but um, obviously, like I, I would really like to go to uh, like, well, that's in California. Uh, Yosemite, I think, is going to be really cool. Um, that's like the crown jewel of national park system. 
Um, the ones in Hawaii, I think would be really cool. I, I know at some point in time I'm going to be going to Hawaii. So I'll just check some of those off uh, when we mm-hmm. get down there. Um, the uh, North Cascades up in Washington state on the border of Canada and uh, Washington. Um, it's not a very visited park, but it looks absolutely incredible. Like I just discovered a little hike, that not a, not a little hike, but I just discovered a hike that you can do uh up to this cabin at the top of a mountain it used to be an old fire fire uh overlook watchtower kind of thing back in the 60s and are uh, back in the 30s and it was decommissioned in the 60s but people kept the cabin up with the upkeep and um people are allowed to stay the night there um which i think is really cool uh just for a, a small donation of like 20 bucks but um it's first come first serve so the first people up there if they want to stay they can stay if you get there people are already there sorry don't know what to tell you so okay i think those will all be really cool um arcadia is definitely on the bucket list as well uh arcadia is the one up in maine um i think that one would be really fun you know just i mean there's cool st- stuff all over the country um i think you know when we decide to go to florida doing the ones down there you know having like more of the tropical side of things um and we live in the mountains i mean i it's 30 degrees outside right now and it's three days after my birthday so like i'm not a beach going kind of person but all those tropical ones are very intriguing to me uh just uh see something different um i love the mountains don't get me wrong uh except i would go back to glacier in a heartbeat but uh i think a lot of those ones you know the you the dry tortuga one is really intriguing just because you have the 99 percent of it's underwater like you have to go scuba diving like that sounds really cool to me i don't really know how to scuba dive but i'll figure it out <laughs> um but yeah like the pacific northwest sounds really cool uh the florida ones sound cool um i mean they, they're all kind of magical in their own sense and that's why i want to go to all of them mm. um but yeah i think besides california i think the next ones we'd start trying to tick off are the ones in the pacific North northwest you know, that's the North Cascades, Olympic, Crater Lake, Mount Rainier, and then the uh, the Redwoods and the all the ones in the Northern California. I think like uh, that's going to be really cool. Watch uh, seeing the Redwoods. Um, but those are in California. So, right. Yeah. Uh, what exactly started your interest in the national parks? So it's kind of by accident. Um, okay. We never really visit any growing up um and then on the it's kind of like the road trip right so the road trip you know we're in we're in buffalo western new york we don't want to just hop on 70 and drive back to back to colorado so we're like and you know it's covid summer so you can kind of do whatever you want and uh because nothing was open so it's like hey get outside and see the country and so we our road trips happen by leaving western new york hung out in Cleveland, went up to Detroit, spent some time in Detroit, which is actually pretty interesting city. Definitely recommend going there at least one time in your life. Um, And then we stayed with some friends on a little lake in the middle of Michigan. And then her dad, like, well, if you're, if you're on a road trip and you have no timeline, you you should go this way through Michigan and see all of this. All right, cool. So, so I started that and that turned into like national lake shores which is all part of the national park system. It's just a different 
different designation. And so we started off by going to Sleepy Bear Dunes, which is in the uh, northwestern part of the main peninsula of Michigan. Really cool spot. Um, went through Traverse City, went over to Mackinac Island, which is a state park for Michigan. Um, that was pretty cool. No automobiles there. All horses or bicycles to get around. And then from there is when we went up to Chapel Beach at Pitched Rocks. Uh, thought that was really cool. Like, hey, well, why not? Let's check out that last, you know, National Lakeshore. We went to the Apostle Isles in Wisconsin, which is a little chain of like 22 islands in uh, over there by like, kind of like by Duluth and Superior, uh, right there in the corner of uh, Lake Superior there. And um, they're just a little, little, uh, little island tour on a boat. And it was awesome. There's 22 islands. Um, we definitely would at some point like to get back there because they do uh, like overnight kayaking trips where you can kayak out to an island and, you know, set up your campsite and you have to kayak to another island. Like it just, it looks really cool. Um, that's definitely not something that we want to do. Um, and then from there, by recommendation, recommendation from grandma, uh, she told us to go to Badlands National Park. It's really cool. And I'm like, I've never really been to National Park. I don't really know what that means. And then we went in and you had to pay and um, just seeing it. And I think what started is I got a pin. And I'm like, well, I want to collect all the pins now for all the national parks. Well, like That's just the way. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, we'll do all the national parks. And I started like, like, like really looking into it. And I was like, this is going to be really hard. So, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, right from the Badlands, that's when you went to like Mount Rushmore, which is a national, it's part of the park system. I think it's a national historic landmark. Um, and then we went back to Colorado and then that's kind of was the end of that first big long road trip that we did. But I was, I was kind of hooked after we went to the Badlands. And so like the following spring is when we planned the Utah trip. And that's when we did, you know, it was Zion, Bryce, Capitol Reef, Arches, Canyonlands. Then we dropped down to the Grand Canyon, started on the South Rim, hiked all the way across to the North Rim, got picked up by a friend, came back around to our campsite. And then from there, we went to Petrified National Forest or National Park, Petrified, Petrified National Park, I think is what it's called. I don't know. Told you it's one of my favorites. So we went from oh, yeah. there. So, so we checked that one off and then we came back up and did um, Mesa Verde, which is a, it's a national park, uh, but it's more of a historical site. Um, it's, you know, th- this ancient civilization that they're called Twift Cliff uh, Dwellers. They are, a, you know, a civilization that like lived underneath these cliffs, like high up in the mountains. So they have all these like little clay clay buildings. It was it, that was that was a pretty cool spot. Like I said, that's more national heritage, uh, but it is a it's in it is a national park. And then we came up, we drove along the Black Canyon of the Gunnison. Didn't drop down, so I didn't count actually going to that park. But we did drive the rim, and then we came back home. And so that was like, all right, yeah, we can actually do this. Let's actually start trying to like check off all these national parks. And driving back and forth from Raleigh to Buffalo to Colorado all the time. There's a, there's some national parks in between the arch in St. Louis is a national park. So we're able to check that one off. There's a cave in Kentucky called mammoth cave. Super cool. Really awesome. It's like the longest cave system. Uh, I don't want to say the world, but definitely in our country. 
um, just this huge cave system and that did a little cave tour and that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so we kind of got the ball rolling and I kind of brought, you know, some other family members into it. And this past fall, we did the, uh, Glacier, Yellowstone, Grand Teton, Rocky Mountain National Park, then back home. So those are all, we've all done them in all like big, long road trips. Um, so it's been kind of a lot of planning. These two books right here are a life sink. Like very, very helpful when trying to plan out like an actual trip and then just doing research online, other itineraries, other, you know, travelers have done and just kind of putting that in with like what you want to do, what you want to accomplish and like, and how to plan it out. Um, and it's just uh, became kind of fun. So instead of, you know, in my job, I pretty much have the spring and the fall off. I have about a month, month on each side of the, of the seasons. And so it's like, why not go on a road trip? Why, why not go see something? Um, we'd be doing on we'd, we'd be on a trip right now, but if, if it wasn't for our dog. So, but um, okay. yeah. So yeah, just kind of get the ball rolling and you know, the more you're researching it the more you look at, Oh, I want to go there. Oh, I want to see that. Like, you know, it, in grand Tetons, we want to do the Teton crest trail, which is, it's a 30 mile five day long hiking trip. Like, and it's through the Tetons in Wyoming. Like we love the Tetons. We go back there all the time. Um, it's right. probably the part we visited the most, but it's partially because that's also where Jackson hole is. So we love Jackson hole. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh man. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So you go around in each national park, you hike around. Do you try and do like a couple trails or do you try and go, you know, just for the day, you kind of see it? You, so you know, I know you mentioned a couple, you're doing the touristy stuff. Is there a couple that you actually try and go get a look deeper into that kind of yeah. stuff? That's kind of like what we did at like in our Utah and the Grand Canyon trip. Like we really like, not everybody hikes across the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. Not a very common thing to do. Uh, that's not a really touristy thing to do, but we were able to make it work with our schedule. And, uh, and so we were able to do that. Like at Zion, when we did the subway, um, we pulled that permit. That, that's not a touristy thing. Like I, that's doing research, finding out, oh, all right. So the sweet, and most of the ones that you have to get permits for are like the really like amazing hikes right and that's part of why it's all permitted because they don't want they want to so preserve it and like keep it natural and beautiful for people you know for generations to come to see it so that's probably that goes back to that permit system of why um so yeah if i know i'm going to glacier it's like okay i, I want to do the highline trail it's their main trail it's 12 miles uh you get dropped off at the pass and hike down to your car over here and you know that's the one that i did with my mom um but like, so, so you can look at like, all right, well, what's the kind of experience that you want? Do you want to just go to the South rim of the Grand Canyon and take a look at it and take some pictures and walk around the visitor center and up and down the, up the rim? Fine. 90% of people, that's what they do. Um, but you can really dig deeper into each one of these parks. And especially if you like do the research uh, of like, all right, there's this, you know, amazing hike over here. You have to do a permit, but you have to put your permit in two weeks before you get there. And it's only 50% chance that you're even going to get it. Um, so, it, and I, and, and in each park has things like that, uh, like at Arches National Park to hike the fire, the, the furnace, I think it is, 
Um, that's a permitted thing. I've, I've never pulled that permit. It's one of the harder ones to get. Also, Arches is probably the most popular, one of the most popular national parks behind like Smoky Mountains and like Yellowstone. So um, it's just each park will present something different. We might have more time at one park or the other, especially once we get into California. I know we're going to want to spend some time in uh, Yosemite. Um, you know, that, the, you know, all the, all that camping that's in there, you know, Joshua trees kind of small, um, you know, canal islands. You can't really, you can go there, but you can't like go to each Island because it's preserved for wildlife. It's like seal and habitat. Um, right off of, it's like right off of la so like yeah you can go to the visitor center there i will go there i'll get my pin i'll get my sticker i'll be, I'll be happy check it off the box you know i'll take probably take a boat and go around the islands and look at sea lions like there's not much else you can do you know right. mammoth mammoth cave we when we were in kentucky there's different lengths of t- cave tours that you can do um we obviously opted to do the longest and hardest one um and it was awesome you start at one end of the cave system and you walk all the way through and you get a history of the cave and uh and the cave changes throughout it, i mean it, it's it, it was pretty interesting where if you could take another uh option and do like a shorter like maybe a mile long hike where it takes you to the one of the features you see it like oh cool then you walk back out of the cave but you don't experience the whole you know eight mile long right. cave like track that we did so yeah well (laughs) that's very interesting awesome like definitely gives you a lot to think about yeah yeah if someone were to just get into it like say they're like hey i haven't been to a national park yet but i'm looking to get into it i'm looking to get into camping looking to get into hiking what would you, what would your recommendation be? Um, if you're looking to start a national park, let's just say, uh, did you know that there's a national park between you and Cleveland? Between me and Cleveland? Yep. I did not actually. Yep. No. Cayuga Valley. It's in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's, so it's kind of like, like, like 20 miles. Okay. So it has to be what an hour 15 minutes away from me, something like that. If that. Like that. It's called Cayuga Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been. I didn't know it was there until I lived out here. Um, but yeah, it's called Cayuga Valley. It's right over there in Ohio. It's not that far away from the house uh, from Western New York. So for someone in Western New York looking to get into it, maybe check that out. I'm sure that, you know, you'll grab a map, grab one of these or something like that. Do a little research. See if there's some, uh, you know, some camping sites that they want to do. Um Look at some trails. Uh, there's not also another, there's an awesome app um, that's connected to the national parks. I think it's called National Park Guide. Um, it kind of gives you gems. And that's another thing that, I, that helped me. You know, that's part of the whole research process. I have all these books and all these maps and all that, but I also do research online. Um, like, all right, so this is a gem, but this is a 12 mile long hike. How am I going to do that? Okay, well, I got to be prepared. Are, are we camping? Can we back, can we back country camp? in this park that's when going to that ranger station and talking to the ranger and preparing your trip um will help you be successful and having a like really enjoyable time um as for like getting into the camping and the hiking um start you know, make sure you're in shape 
if you want you know, you start off in smaller increments and then you'll work work the way up. Um, before my mom came out, uh, I went up to Glacier with us. Her goal was she wanted to do the Grand the, the Teton Crest Trail with us, the thirty mile long hike. It's like, all right, mom, you need to start walking every day until you come to Colorado. One higher elevation, you're going to get tired a lot faster. You're going to get winded. the The oxygen, the air is thinner up here. Um, so have to start building up your stamina and so that's why she would you know she'd leave the house walk up to the property turn around walk back down like all right mom now now you need to walk from your house go up to the property down to the ivory road and then turn hike back up the property then back to your house you need to start, when you can do that then we can talk about doing the teton crest trail um she was she was successful in doing the highline trail in glacier which is like 12 miles but you know she worked her way up to being able to hike that long um, just, just getting out there, going for a walk, going for a hike, challenging yourself. Um, you know, it's the, our property and our family is great for that. Walk up and down that thing. If you, if you know, you're going to come out to Colorado and go elk hunting with me and Bo, walk up and down the property a lot. <laughs> so, um, that, that'll just help you get prepared. You'll, you'll physically, um, then when it comes to gear, get a backpack that fits um for what you are looking to get into are you looking to get into multiple day overnight hikes then you're probably going to need a pretty big you know 60 liter at least a 45 liter you know osprey pack or a kelly pack um you know with with hydration in it you know be able to carry a a three liter camelback full um and then to get that experience, if you're like trying to work up to a big hike out west or somewhere in elevation, pack your backpack full like it would be if you were going on a backpacking trip and then go hiking with that. Uh, like I said, good shoes, oboes are awesome. Um, you know, I, I have I, I hike in a pair of Solomons. They're great. Uh, and just start looking at the gear. Uh, lighter is better. Um, you don't necessarily have to go like super ultra lightweight, but the lighter the gear you have, the more you can put in your pack and the less tired you're going to be. So light is better. Um, and then if you're looking at, uh, are you going to go car camping or are you going to go backpack, uh, like backpacking? Like there's a big difference. Um, you know, we have two different tents. We have our light backpacking tent. It fits me and the lady just fine. There's not much room in there. There's not much headspace. If we're car camping, um we have a bigger tent that we can store more stuff in but it's also a heavier tent that we don't want to be lugging around you know for 25 miles so uh yeah but if you get into the get into gear i mean go to an rei talk to those guys there they're they're great at what they do um i go to rei i was at rei today so uh, but yeah that that's have a plan and know what you want to get into before you just start buying random gear. Yeah, you're gonna need a sleeping bag. All right, well, do you want a really warm sleeping bag that's gonna be heavier or do you want one that's lighter and you're gonna be able to carry longer because you're mostly camping you know, in Western New York where it's hot, muggy and buggy. Like you don't need a, you know, a minus 20 degree below sleeping bag. You don't need it. So know your destination, know what you wanna get into before you start spending money on gear. I guess that'd be probably my, uh, my uh, recommendation. Um, you're gonna need a you know cooking source. Jet boils are great. 
when we go on our backpacking trips, we have a little jet boil. Um, when we car camp, we use we pull out our jet boil uh, Genesis base camp. It's awesome. Um, we have a full on five course meal cooking on that thing. Uh, but yeah, so I guess that'd be my suggestion. This be know what you want to get into before you start spending money. Right. Okay. Makes tons of sense to me. But um, all right, Zach, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Okay. So thank you so much for being on. Yeah, no problem. It was great talking to you. A bunch of great information. Glad I could help. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Keep up to date with us during the week and also between episodes by following our Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok page. We'll put a link in the description.